On this episode of the Naturist Living Show, Lighthouse Beach Poetry, Healthy Sunshine, and Nudist Expo 2013. This episode of the Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca Welcome to episode 53, dear listener. On the, we've got a lot of things on this show. We have a whole mishmash of things. We have a new correspondence, Felicity from YNA, and she's going to be discussing Lighthouse Beach and what's happening there. Not good news, I'm afraid. We hear some poetry about naturism. Uh, we're going to get uh, more evidence that sunshine is good for you because we did a show a few years ago that uh, talked all about vitamin D and the benefits of sunshine on bare skin. And Brian is going to update us on the second Nudist Expo, Nudist Expo 2013. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you about the latest naturist guide. Um, La Vie au Soleil, which is a very old uh, French magazine about naturism uh, since 1949, if I recall correctly, um, has published a new world guide, a 2013 world guide. And that's very significant because uh, there hasn't been a world guide from anybody uh, for many years now. Uh, the uh, Anner uh, published the last guide in 2008 and is not publishing any more printed guides. Uh, the INEFT has not published an international world guide since 2009. Uh, the Nature Society has, uh, the last time they published a guide was in 2008 as well, and they, they have said they're not publishing another one. Um, but a printed guide is still convenient. Um, it's, it's easy to reference. You can quickly flip through it. Uh, it's easy to carry. You can just leave it lying around and uh, so that people sort of, when they come to your house, see it and ask you questions about it. You can give it as a gift. Um, it's a beautiful uh, book. It's a, I, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can take a look at it yourself. It does come in English. And they don't, uh, despite the fact it's published by a French company, they've done, a, obviously, a French version. Uh, an English version, uh, Dutch and German version. So you can buy either one. It's not all mixed together. The old INF guide had all the languages in one. And the problem with that is it, it was uh, huge and heavy. And usually you only needed one quarter because you didn't need the rest of the languages. So this one is published in each language. So there's four different editions for the four different languages. So if you are interested, there are some available from the Bear Boutique. Uh, or you can get it directly from the publisher in France. And I'll provide both of those links uh, in the show notes. One of our regular listeners, uh, John from Virginia, sent me a note to tell me that uh, Francis and Mason Merrill's book, uh, Among the Nudist, that's a 1931 book, one of the early ones that really was... Uh, instrumental in people first learning about the movement at the beginning of the 20th century, is now available through the um, iTunes bookstores, the Apple bookstore. iBooks is the application on your iPhone or your iPad. Um, it's the original one. I guess it's out of copyright. Um, and so the, the people have taken it and scanned it and digitized it. And you can buy it for $11. Uh, I've read the book. It's it's a great read. Um, it's a lot of fun, if not 
from the fact that you're reading about the history of naturism and the early ideas, but it's also fun to read because you're reading it from the uh, perspective of everything we know now. And uh, certainly language has changed a little bit. It's in English, obviously, but it's still, people were using more terms like uh, propaganda, um, the way that we would use marketing, because it wasn't a bad word back then. Uh, this was pre-World War II. So it's a worthwhile read. It's $11. Um, or if you want, I, I bought one of the old original copies because uh, I wanted to have them, and I like to have them at my collection, but I did read it as well. So either way, I would recommend it if you're interested in reading something about uh, the history of naturism in the beginning. And I'll put a link again in the show notes to how you can download the electronic copy. So we have a new correspondent, I guess our first correspondent, because we haven't had a regular correspondent of this show in the uh, over four years that we've been doing the show. Um, I was on the cruise, as you heard in the last episode, and uh, we uh, hung out for a while with Felicity and Jordan from YNA, um, the uh, Young Naturist Nudist America. And uh, Felicity is quite a prolific writer. She's a good writer. And we uh, chatted and she expressed an interest in being a regular contributor to the show. So she's going to be doing a regular segment um, uh, in the Naturist Living show. And uh, today you're hearing her first time. So let's welcome Felicity to the show. Hi, everyone. This is Felicity Jones, co-founder of Young Naturist America, or YNA, and author of Felicity's blog. I am bringing you the latest news from YNA and the United States. Um, our headquarters are in New York. So the biggest news so far for 2013 was unfortunately the loss of a nude beach in our area. Lighthouse Beach on Long Island was closed to clothing optional use and will now be textile. There were thousands of people on this beach every summer, so as you can imagine, this was extremely upsetting to a great number of people. This beach has had a more or less ongoing tradition of nude sunbathing for decades, so it's quite a loss for us. And nudity was never legal by New York state law, but it was tolerated. So now they started to uh, they decided to start enforcing the law against nudity. And I think the reasons cited for ending nude use are ridiculous. They were claiming illegal drug use, prostitution. I always knew this beach as a family-oriented place. I saw kids there every time I visited. Um, I think the biggest problem seems to be the damage of the dunes from Hurricane Sandy last fall. The dunes had served as a barrier between the nude sunbathers and the passersby or people just visiting the old lighthouse. So the Park Service is not going to rebuild the dunes, and nor are they willing to let us build a fence. So it's just a really complicated situation because of all the conflicting interests of different groups, which are the Parks Department, the state, and so on. So right now, it can't be solved with money or hiring more park rangers or changing the designated clothing optional area. And the Naturist Action Committee is doing what they can to get back this beach for us. Um, there's a lot of talk of other beaches that people can go to instead on Long Island, but they're not really great options. They're either risky for nude sunbathing, or they're difficult to get to, or very limited on parking and getting access to them. 
So Lighthouse Beach was a great place for everyone in Long Island and those in New York City. Um, now people will probably end up at Gunnison Beach in New Jersey or at nudist clubs like Rock Lodge and Juniper Woods in upstate New York. Gunnison is a great beach, but it also got a ton of damage from the hurricane, so it might be even crazier there than usual. Anyway, um, it's officially spring here, but winter weather is persisting, so we're still hibernating indoors. This past weekend, we had a YNA naked bowling night in New York City, so that was a lot of fun. We also went to a nude swim with a group called the Long Island Travisons. And I just wanted to mention it because the winter swims have completely transformed since we started attending them two years ago. When we first started going, the demographic was empty nesters in their 60s and up, and out of 110 people, maybe five of them were women. So YNA came onto the scene, and more people started finding out about them. We started promoting them on specific dates for YNA meetups, and slowly but surely, the crowd totally changed. At this last swim, there was a lot more young people, a lot more women, so much more diversity. The average age must have dropped by at least 20 years. So it just goes to show there's no lack of interest among the younger population with naturism. Um, so we're working on our summer calendar now, and we basically can't wait to get outdoors again. Our trip to Bear Oaks is still on, and I'm currently working on an online registration to put up soon. Uh, we're planning to go to Bear Oaks for the Canadian Naturist Festival from August 6th to 11th, so save those dates if you're free to come join us at Bear Oaks. And we're planning events at other clubs for this summer. Uh, for most events, there will be discounts for YNA members, so if you're not a member yet and you like what we're about, now's a good time to join our community before the season starts. Last but not least, we are looking to start a YNA volleyball team. Uh, volleyball seems to be a huge sport in the naturist community. There are so many tournaments. The biggest one, I think, is the Super Bowl at Whitethorn, which draws in over a thousand people every year. Uh, we'd love to form a YNA team and be part of some of these tournaments. So if you're in the U.S., especially in the Northeast, send us an email if you'd like to join our team or even form a team. Our email is youngnaturists at gmail.com or visit our website at youngnaturistsamerica.com to send us an email through the contact page. So that's all I have for this month. Thanks for listening, guys, and I hope to see you at Bear Oaks this summer or at another wine event. Bye. A little while ago, I was contacted by uh, Emily. Uh, Emily worked at uh, Bear Oaks a couple years ago. And uh, she had written a poem for her high school English class about naturism. Um, it was, uh, she worked at uh, our place uh, when she was 15, and she really enjoyed the experience, and it affected who she was, and so uh, it inspired her to write the poem. So I published a poem on the blog, and uh, it got a lot of interest. A lot of people really liked it. So I asked Emily to read it for us um, so that you could hear it on the show as well. There exists a place on earth not unlike the Garden of Eden. Its abundant greenery and exotic wonders release the imagination, ignite free thought. 
I come here to escape. Layers slip away. I stand bare. Feel no shame. Stripping insecurity, whipping out self-adoration, flaunting a massive character. Expose truth. Embrace lumps, bumps, skin, hair. No wholeness and beauty. Outside these confines, attractiveness is a layered mask, hiding reality. They've eaten rancid fruit, gained neither knowledge nor power, and paradise has been lost. So that was Emily. She's 17 years old, and she wrote that poem for her high school class. Um, she worked at Barrocks two years ago, and she's going to be working this summer as well in 2013. So, But as a result of my posting on the Barrocks blog, I was contacted by Ron, who had also written a poem. So I asked him to call us and read the poem for us so we could hear it as well on the show. New time. I work, 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 day after day, doing my job someone else's way, waiting for the weekend and my pay. Doing my job, part of the daily grind, it's enough to numb my mind. I keep watching the clock, waiting for quitting time. In my mind, I'm on a beach, walking along, waves lapping up my feet. I feel the wind in my hair, the sun on my face, needing to escape the rat race. As I walk along, feeling the sun on my butt, I'm thankful I'm not in that swimsuit rut. Wearing a swimsuit should be a sin. I just love the skin I'm in. I sit on the sand, the sun caressing my all-over tan. Uh, birds, dolphins, trees all feel connected to me. All beautiful, natural, and free. Before I know it, it's time to go. I just heard the whistle blow. I race home without shedding a tear. It's the weekend, and new time is here. I shut the door. My stress and my clothes hit the floor. I think about the sun, sand, and sea, wondering what new adventures await me. So thank you very much, Ron, for sharing that with us. Another email, I mean, we do get a lot of messages. And again, I want to thank everyone who writes messages uh, of support and appreciation. And I, I do very much appreciate it because it keeps me going. But obviously, I can't read them all on the show anymore. But uh, when there's something interesting that people share with us, um, then I like to share it with you as well. And uh, Petra, Petra Scheller, who is the editor of Going Natural magazine, the Federation of Canadian Naturists magazine, uh, sent me a note about a TED Talk. Uh, the TED Talk is by uh, Richard Weller, and he talks about how could the sun be good for your heart? And uh, that is a topic which is very close to my heart. Um, we did a show in 2010, episode 18. Gosh, that's a long time ago. Eh? We're up to 53. And uh, it was an interview with a Dr. Hollick who did a lot of work on vitamin D and sunshine. And uh, I'll put a, a link to that show as well. But this talk, TED Talk was really good uh, because it provided another angle about how it's good for your heart with a little bit more specifics. Dr. Hollick made a correlation. Richard Weller is uh, providing some additional, more specific information about heart disease and the benefits of sunshine on your skin and what it does. So the TED Talks are um, Creative Commons licensing, which means that we can rebroadcast it here. So for your information, here is Richard Weller with Could the Sun Be Good for Your Heart? TED Talks are recorded live at the TED Conference and partner events. 
This episode features dermatologist Richard Weller. This talk contains powerful visuals. Download the video at TED.com. Here's Richard Weller. So uh, before I became a dermatologist, I, uh, I, I studied in general medicine, as, as most dermatologists do in Britain. At the end of that time, I went off to Australia about 20 years ago. What you learn when you go to Australia is the Australians are very competitive, and, and they are not magnanimous in victory, and, and that happened a lot. Oh, and you pommies, you can't play cricket rugby. I, I could accept that. But moving into work, and, and we have each week what's called a journal club, when you'd sit down um, with the other doctors and you'd study a, a scientific paper in, in relation to medicine. And after week one, it was about cardiovascular mortality, a dry subject. How many people die of heart disease, what the rates are. And they were competitive about this. You pommies, your rates of heart disease are shocking. And of course, they were right. Australians have about a third less heart disease than we do. Less deaths from heart attacks, heart failure, less strokes. They're generally a healthier bunch. And of course, they said this was because of their fine moral standing, their exercise, because they're Australians and we're wheezy pommies and so on. But you know, it's, it's not just Australia that has better health than Britain. Within Britain, um, there is a gradient of health. And this is what's called standardised mortality, basically your chances of dying. This is looking at data from the paper about 20 years ago, but it's true today. Comparing your rates of dying at 50 degrees north, that's the south, that's London and places. Um, by latitude and 55 degrees, the bad news is that's here, Glasgow. I'm from Edinburgh. Worse news, that's even Edinburgh. OK, so there is... <laughs> So what accounts for this horrible space here between us up here in southern Scotland and the south? Now, we know about smoking, deep-fried Mars bars, chips, the Glasgow diet, all of these things. But this graph is after taking into account all of these known risk factors. This is after accounting for smoking, social class, diet, all those other known risk factors. We are left with this missing space of increased deaths the further north you go. Now, sunlight, of course, comes into this. And vitamin D has had a great deal of press, and a lot of people get concerned about it. And we need vitamin D. It's now a requirement that children have a certain amount. My grandmother grew up in Glasgow back in the 1920s and 30s when rickets was a real problem, and cod liver oil was brought in. And that really prevented the rickets that used to be common in this city. And I, as a child, was fed cod liver oil by my grandmother. I distinctly, nobody forgets cod liver oil. <laughs> But an association, the higher people's blood levels of vitamin D are, the less heart disease they have, the less cancer. There seems to be a lot of data suggesting that vitamin D is very good for you, and it is, to prevent rickets and so on. But if you give people vitamin D supplements, you don't change that high rate of heart disease. And the evidence for it preventing cancers is not yet great. So what I'm going to suggest is that vitamin D is not the only story in town. It's not the only reason for preventing heart disease. High vitamin D levels, I think, are a marker for sunlight exposure. And sunlight exposure, in methods I'm going to show, is good for heart disease. Anyway, I came back from Australia, and despite the obvious risks to my health, I moved to Aberdeen. <laughs> now, in Aberdeen, I started my dermatology training. But I also became interested in research, and in particular, I became interested in this substance, nitric oxide. Now, these three guys up here, Furchgott, Ignara, and Murad, won the Nobel Prize for Medicine back in 1998. 
And they were the first people to describe this new chemical transmitter, nitric oxide. What nitric oxide does is it dilates blood vessels, so it lowers your blood pressure. It also dilates the coronary arteries, so it stops angina. And what was remarkable about it was in the past, when we think of chemical messengers within the body, we thought of complicated things like estrogen and insulin or nerve transmission, very complex processes with very complex chemicals that fit into very complex receptors. And here's this incredibly simple molecule, a nitrogen and an oxygen, that are stuck together. And yet these are hugely important for painting our low blood pressure, for neurotransmission, for many, many things, but particularly cardiovascular health. And I started doing research, and we found, very excitingly, that the skin produces nitric oxide. So it's not just in the cardiovascular system it arises, it arises in the skin. Well, having found that and published that, I thought, well, what's it doing? How do you have low blood pressure in your skin? You know, it's not the heart. What do you do? So I went off to the States, as many people do if they're going to do research, and I spent a few years in Pittsburgh. Um, this is Pittsburgh. And I was interested in these really kind of complex systems. We thought that maybe nitric oxide um, affected cell death and how cells survive and their resistance to other things. And I first of all started work in, in cell culture, growing cells, and then I was using knockout mouse models, mice that couldn't make the, the gene. We worked out a mechanism which NO was helping cells survive. And I then moved back to Edinburgh. And in Edinburgh, the experimental animal we use is the medical student. It's a species close to humans with several advantages over mice. They're free, you don't shave them, they feed themselves, and nobody pickets your office saying, save the lab medical student. So they're really an ideal, an ideal model. But what we found was that we couldn't reproduce in man the data we had shown in mice. It seemed we couldn't turn off the production of nitric oxide in the skin of humans. We put on creams that blocked the enzyme that made it. Um, we injected things. We couldn't turn off the, the nitric oxide. And the reason for this, it turned out, after two or three years' work, was that in the skin we have huge stores not of nitric oxide, because nitric oxide is a gas, and it's released, and in a few seconds it's away. But it can be turned into these forms of nitric oxide, nitrate, NO3, nitrite, NO2, nitrosothals, and these are more stable, and your skin has got really large stores of NO. And we then thought to ourselves, well, there's big stores. I wonder if sunlight might activate those stores and release them from the skin, where the stores are about ten times as big as what's in the circulation. Could the sun activate those stores into the circulation and there in the circulation and it can do its good things for your cardiovascular system? Well, I'm an experimental dermatologist, so what we did was we thought we have to expose our experimental animals um, to sunlight. And so what we did was we took um, a bunch of, of uh, volunteers and we exposed them to uh, ultraviolet light. So these are kind of sun lamps. Now, what we were careful to do was vitamin D is made by ultraviolet B rays, and we wanted to separate our story from the vitamin D story. So we used ultraviolet A, which doesn't make vitamin D. When we put people under a lamp, for the equivalent of about 30 minutes of sunshine in summer um, in Edinburgh, what we produced was we produced a rise in circulating nitric oxide. So we put patients with these subjects under the UV, and their NO levels do go up, and their blood pressure goes down, not by much at an individual level, but enough at a population level to shift the rates of heart disease in a whole population. 
And when we shone UV at them, or when we warmed them up to the same level as the lamps, but didn't actually let the rays hit the skin, this didn't happen. So this seems to be a feature of ultraviolet rays hitting the skin. Now, we're still collecting data. A few good things here. Well, this appeared to be more marked in older people. I'm not sure exactly how much. One of the subjects here was my mother-in-law, and clearly I do not know her age. But certainly in people older than my wife, um, this appears to be a more marked effect. And the other thing I should mention was there was no change in vitamin D. This is separate from vitamin D. So vitamin D is good for you. It stops rickets, it provides calcium, metabolism, important stuff. But this is a separate mechanism from vitamin D. Now, one of the problems with looking at blood pressure is your body does everything it can to keep your blood pressure at the same place. If your leg is chopped off and you lose blood, your body will clamp down, increase the heart rate, do everything it can to keep your blood pressure up. That is an, an absolutely fundamental physiological principle. So what we've next done is we've moved on to looking at blood vessel dilatation. So we've measured... This is, again, notice no tail um, and, and hairless. This is a medical student, OK? In the arm, you can measure how blood flow in the arm by how much it swells up as some blood flows into it. And what we've shown is that doing a shammer radiation, this is the thick line here, this is shining UV on the arm so it warms up, but keeping it covered so the rays don't hit the skin. There is no change in blood flow, in, in dilatation of the blood vessels. But the active irradiation during the UV and for an hour after it there is dilation of the blood vessels. This is the mechanism by which you lower blood pressure, by which you dilate the coronary arteries also to let the blood be supplied with heart. So here, further data that ultraviolet, that sunlight, has benefits on the blood flow and, and the cardiovascular system. So we thought we'd just kind of model different amounts of UV um, hit the earth at different parts of the earth at different times of year. So you can actually work out those stores of nitric oxide, the nitrates, nitrites, nitrosatiles in the skin, release a cleave to release NO. Different wavelengths of light have different activities at doing that. So you can look at the wavelengths of light that do that. And you can look... So if you live on the equator, the sun comes straight overhead. It comes to a very thin bit of atmosphere. And winter or summer, it's the same amount of light. If you live up here, um, in summer, the sun's coming fairly directly down. But in winter, it's coming through a huge amount of atmosphere, and much of the ultraviolet is weeded out, and the range of wavelengths that hit the Earth are different in summer to winter. So what you can do is you can multiply those data by the NO that's released, and you can calculate how much nitric oxide would be released from the skin into the circulation. Now, if you're on the equator here, that's these two lines here, the red line and the purple line. And the amount of nitric oxide that's released is the area under the curve, is the area in this space here. So if you're on the equator, December or June, you've got masses of NO being released from the skin. So Ventura is in Southern California. In summer, you might as well be at the equator. It's great. Lots of NO is released. Ventura midwinter, well, there's still, you know, a decent amount. Edinburgh in summer, the area beneath the curve is pretty good. But Edinburgh in winter... You know, the amount of NO that can be released is next to nothing, tiny amounts. So what do we think? We're still working at this story, we're still developing it, we're still expanding it, we think it's very important. Um, we think it probably accounts for a lot of the north-south health divide within Britain. It's of relevance to us. 
We think that the skin, well, we know that the skin has got very large stores of nitric oxide, as these various other forms. We suspect a lot of these come from diet. Green leafy vegetables, beetroots, lettuce has a lot of these nitric oxides that we think go to the skin. We think they're then stored in the skin, and we think that sunlight releases this, where it has generally beneficial effects. And this is ongoing work, but I mean, dermatologists, I mean, I'm a dermatologist. My day job is saying to people, you've got skin cancer, it's caused by sunlight, don't go in the sun. I actually think a far more important message is that there are benefits as well as risks to sunlight. Yes, sunlight is the, is the major alterable risk factor for skin cancer, but deaths from heart disease are 100 times higher than deaths from skin cancer. And I think that we need to be more aware of and we need to find the risk-benefit ratio. How much sunlight is safe? Um, how can we kind of finesse this best for our general health? So thank you very much indeed. That was Richard Weller, recorded at TEDx Glasgow in Glasgow, Scotland, March 2012. For more information on TED, visit TED.com. While we were on our cruise, we ran into Brian from nudistclubhouse.com. And you might recall we uh, interviewed him last year about the Nudist Expo. Well, that was a great success, so he's doing it again. There's Nudist Expo 2013 um, in Las Vegas once again. So while I was on the cruise, I interviewed Brian and asked him to tell us more about this upcoming Nudist Expo. So Brian, it's good to catch up with you here on the cruise. Yeah, hey, it's great to see you here, Stefan. We're just having a lot of fun. Bare Necessities really knows how to put on a great show, don't they? Yes, they do. This is incredible. So many people. So how are things going with the Expo? Oh, the Nudist Clubhouse Expo 2013 is coming along splendidly. At this point this year, we are already double on the registrations that we'd received by this point last year for the Expo 2012. So we're anticipating a very big response this year. So last year, it was the first time we talked about it on the show. How did it go? It was terrific. As you recall, last year we had our nude hotel, the nude uh, barbecue and pool parties. We had 22 exhibitors and somewhere between three and 400 attendees, our keynote speaker, um, the nude glow-in-the-dark miniature golf, um, all the presentations in the nudist theater. People were just thrilled to be there and had a great time. And running our booth here on the nude cruise, people are coming up to me that were at the show last year saying, what are the dates? What are the dates? I can't wait. I want to go next year. And we're going to have a lot of return visitors and a lot of new people that heard about how much fun it was but missed it for whatever reason last year. So if you're uh, for people who might attend, why should they go? Oh, to learn more about nude recreation. And even if you've already been a nudist for 50 years, there's always more to learn because there's always new resorts opening up. Um, there's new companies coming out with new skincare products, a new brand of towel maybe. Um, you never know what you're going to run into, not to mention all the friends you're going to make. And, you know, coming to our nude barbecue and pool party, when's the last time you got to be naked in Las Vegas, Nevada? <laughs> Very good point. And uh, what about for people who might want to exhibit? Who would want to get a booth? Oh, we'll, we'll take a booth from anyone who does something of interest to nudists, and that's um, family nudists. Um, anything from a skincare company to towel manufacturers, umbrella manufacturers, beach chairs, to all the, all the nudist resorts across North America, or even around the world for that matter. So if I sell edible underwear, I shouldn't apply? <laughs> Probably not. There, you know what? There are plenty of trade shows for things like that, and this is not one of them. We are all about family naturism. Oh, that's fantastic. And so tell everybody again what the dates and how do they find out more information? Mm -hmm. the, more information can be found by visiting nudistexpo.com. And the dates are 
May 31st and June 1st, 2013. And as long as you're going to be there, stay on until June 2nd, because that's when we do our glow-in-the-dark indoor nude miniature golf party. Sounds fantastic. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much, and enjoy the cruise. And if you haven't done it yet, get on that water slide naked. You'll love it. <laughs> Well, that's all for this episode of the Naturist Living Show. Lots of different topics today. And remember, links for everything that we talked about are available in the show notes, which can be found at www.naturistliving, one word, dot bare oaks, B-A-R-E-O-A-K-S, bareoaks.ca. My name is Stéphane Deschain, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm also the owner of Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. And please keep sending me your comments and suggestions and uh, just tell me what you think of the show and ideas, which, as you can see in this show, several of them resulted in some segments. You can send a message to naturistliving, one word, at bareoaks.ca. Again, that's B-A-R-E-O-A-K-S, bear as in nude, bareoaks.ca, because we are in Canada. Join us again in about a month for the next episode of The Naturist Living Show. This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. Traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca. Oh, 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 oh